Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. I taught elementary school in the 1960s. What happened will haunt me forever. Written by Rehaya Him. I've reached that age when your grandkids come and visit to interview you for a family history project. My eldest grandson David came earlier this week with a camcorder. But when I saw the bottle of Johnny Walker tucked in his shoulder. I knew he wasn't here to talk about how his great-great-grandpappy immigrated from Scotland. He wanted to talk about the incident. The only person I had the guts to tell this story to was my wife Linda, who passed away a decade ago. And my children tried to coax it out of me, but soon learned not to pry after my patience would wear thin and I would explode with rage. And they would tell their own children not to ask Pop-Pop about his scars. But hell, I'm getting too old for secrets. David is admittedly my favorite grandchild. After telling him my story and finishing half the bottle of Johnny, he encouraged me to tell it here said you guys were pretty empathetic and could maybe provide some new perspectives. And to be honest, I think I'd like some inner peace. So here it all goes. And I apologize in advance if I go on too long. The year was 1965 and President Lyndon B. Johnson came to my alma mater and gave a rousing speech about the importance of education and equity. And from that moment on, I wanted to become a teacher. I graduated the next year and joined the newly formed teacher corps, excited to help change the world. And I was assigned to a small border town called Santa Cruz, Texas. Now, Even back then, Santa Cruz was a disaster. I grew up on a failing chicken farm. But that didn't hold a candle to the poverty that I witnessed in that town. It was a sweltering hot parking lot in the middle of nowhere. And most of the folk were undocumented immigrants. And I often wondered how much better Santa Cruz was than the Tamalipas. Just didn't have the necessities for survival, but it did have a school. The school was a two-story red brick cube at the end of a mile-long dirt road. It had three windows, no AC, and an outhouse in the back field. At the end of the field was a hill with a statue of Jesus on the cross. And I was one of two teachers. 
The other teacher was Miss Varela, a middle-aged local woman. And she had no formal training, but did have the distinction of being one of the few literate adults in the town. Miss Varela taught English and history, while I taught math and science. And we kept grades one through five on the first floor and put the other kids who would pop in after working the fields on the second. And then after lunch, we would switch. It wasn't a sound system, but we made the most of it. And my God, were those kids so on fire to learn. They were enthusiastic, recognizing that education was the best way to leave Santa Cruz for good. And I decided to give them everything I had until my contract expired. I didn't even have a salary, just a room and board. But I had the best students in the world except for one his name was Leoberto and I didn't know his last name he just showed up one day with a note safety pin to his shirt the letter simply said in Spanish please teach Leoberto it was a little unorthodox but what could we do I called him Leo the Lion because he had a massive mane of unkept black hair on the top of his head. You know, like one of those troll dolls. We didn't know how old he was and initially put him in with the older kids since he had no baby teeth. However, Miss Varela discovered that he couldn't read and sent him back down with the youngins. I wasn't sure Leo could even talk. He mostly just stared off into space and didn't engage into any of my lessons. But occasionally, he would announce his presence with a verbal tick or a nervous fit. Sometimes he would clack his tongue or whistle like a character from the Looney Tunes. And other times he would bang on his desk and try to talk. He was also incredibly fidgety and couldn't sit still. It was like he had fire ants in his pockets. And on Leo's bad days, he would scratch himself raw. We would inspect him for fleas, lice, or mosquito bites, but we would never find anything out of the ordinary. And the other students paid him no mind. But Miss Varela and I were heartbroken for him. Because back then, there weren't a lot of options for special needs students and I doubted that Leo's mom could get him the care he needed. The weird part was we could never track her down. Miss Varela would try and follow Leo home, but he would vanish before she discovered where he lived. One time she would even hold his hand and try to walk him back, but he wouldn't budge until she let go. The other parents knew about Leo from their children, but didn't know where he lived or who his mother was. It was so strange. And things would come to a head one spring morning. I was teaching the older kids when Miss Varela came huffing up the stairs. And of course, it was about Leo. He wouldn't stop crying. I rushed down to check up on him and saw Leo sobbing uncontrollably 
in the corner, snot running down his nose. The other students for once looked concerned for him. Lisa Sanchez was huddled next to him and rubbing his back. He just started crying, Mr. Bill, she said with wide eyes. And I checked him all over, but again found nothing. Maybe he needs some outside time, Raul Medina proposed, eager to get back to Miss Varela's lesson. Miss Varela and I took him outside to settle him down, but he couldn't stop crying. I wasn't even sure he could breathe, so I did the only thing that made sense. I smacked him on his backside, and he fell silent, looked up at me, and then started laughing, though it didn't sound like a happy laugh. It was just as insistent as his sobs and sounded almost maniacal, his eyes wide with fear. He then began gagging and collapsed in exhaustion, and I carried him back outside, where he slept the rest of the day. Fed up, I had an idea, and I drafted a detailed letter requesting a meeting with Leo's mom. Miss Varela translated it to Spanish and safety pinned it to Leo's shirt, and we sent him off and watched him vanish at the end of the dirt road. And as expected, Leo came to school the next day with a new note taped to his shirt. The note said, My son is blessed by God. I sat dejected at my desk, and Miss Varela quickly called the Child Welfare Services, not knowing what else to do. A man from Welfare Services came at the end of the week, and I really don't recall his name, but I remember not caring for him one bit. I could tell he was a racist by the sneers and offhanded comments about the town folk he made to me, thinking I would agree. He also spoke to Miss Varela with thinly veiled contempt. I had a sick feeling in my stomach that we made a mistake. But if I had known what would happen, I would have stopped it. I need you to know that. I would have died before I let it happen. Now, I gave my statement to the man from Welfare Services, but my journey stopped there. I couldn't speak Spanish or track down Leo's mom, so I could not assist him any further. It was at this time that Miss Varela had to take the lead. Now, I don't know all of the details of what happened next, but I do know the essential parts. I know that Miss Varela and Mr. Welfare Services were finally able to track down Leo's mom in an adobe hut on the outskirts of town. And I know that the meeting didn't go well, and Leo was removed from his mother's care. She became violent and was subdued violently by the sheriff's office and Leo was taken to a facility in McAllen, Texas. The doctors at that facility elected to give him a lobotomy, 
the, the procedure began falling out of favor earlier in the decade. There were complications. And Leo... Leo died on the operating table. I held classes for two weeks while a despondent Miss Varela mourned at home. She attended the procedure since Leo's mother was still locked up in the county jail. And when Miss Varela called sobbing to tell me what had happened, she said Leo called out for his mother before he passed. And it was the first time she had heard him speak at all. The children had asked about Leo. Though Miss Varela and I lied and said that he moved to another school, and Miss Varela returned to teach. And our situation became somewhat stable, though Leo's demise loomed darkly over our heads. And then, Leo's mother was released from jail. And of course, she came straight to the school screaming obscenities in Spanish and dressed in all black like a funeral goer. And I watched her sprint toward the school with fire in her eyes as she hurled a brick through the first floor window and the children screamed. And I grabbed the dusty discipline paddle from the closet and bolted downstairs to protect the little ones. The students huddled in the corner, watching in horror as Leo's mother struggled to get in the window. She had cut herself on the broken glass, and blood poured from her wrist onto the floor. And she didn't stop screaming, hurling curses at myself and Miss Varela, who was on the phone with the police. I rushed over and hit Leo's mother with the paddle but she seemed to be unaffected, like she was in a trance. You killed my son! She finally screamed in broken English, before collapsing again from the loss of blood. Miss Varela hurried the children out of the room, as one of the older kids helped me try to stop the bleeding. And a police officer finally arrived and dragged Leo's mother out of the school despite our protest. And I never saw her again. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. We patched up the window, and the students returned to school after a few days, eager to learn as always. And they were the only reason I didn't resign, though the system left a permanent, bitter taste in my mouth. Slowly, but surely, everything went back to normal, but not for long. 
God, I remember it so vividly. It was about two weeks before school was let out for the summer. And I was teaching timetables to the fourth graders and subtraction to the first and second graders. We were having trouble with nine times nine. And I was drawing a diagram on the chalkboard when I heard a sound that made my blood run cold. And it sounded exactly like the whistle that Leo used to make. I whipped around to see Raul Medina with a sheepish grin on his face. I'm sorry, Mr. Bill. I don't know what happened. The other students giggled. And I returned to my lesson. And when my chalk hit the board, someone made a sound like they were clicking their tongue. And it sounded like Leo was in the damn room. Can we cut that out, please? I said firmly. Elisa Sanchez was covering her mouth with her hands and shut her eyes tightly. Lo siento, Mr. Bill. I sighed and returned to my lesson. But then Pablo Verona started banging on his desk and groaning like he was trying to push something out of his throat. And Raul whistled again. But it was like something else was controlling his body. And more students followed, either whistling or clicking their tongues. Some joined Pablo and slammed the desk with their hands, grunting noisily. Each student appeared unable to control their actions and most of them looked confused. Their antics would grow louder until Miss Varela came down to check on me. When she came in the room, I nervously shrugged. Miss Varela took out her yardstick and slammed it on my table. The students went silent. I think we need some outside time. I said with my voice quivering. Like drones, the students hopped out of their desk and followed each other in a line outside. And as soon as they left the room, they returned to their usual selves and played in the backfield. Miss Varela and I would sit down on the steps and share a cigarette. Things will get back to normal soon. She sighed, but they didn't. The following morning, Marla Vasquez began crying uncontrollably during Miss Varela's history lesson. We couldn't find out why or get her to stop. She was genuinely hysterical, screaming and sobbing into the void. And she refused to look at us staring straight ahead like a zombie with a tired expression on her face. Miss Varela hurried her outside, but we could still hear her muffled cries from the first floor. And then, all the kids began to cry. Some fell out of their chairs and rolled around on the floor. Raul Medina looked up at the ceiling like he was praying with a snot spewing out of his nose 
Perdóname, perdóname, he cried out loud. I sat crouched in the corner trying to cover my ears, but then I felt this overwhelming feeling of emotion, and I began to cry too. And the weird thing was, I couldn't stop. And every time I seemed to calm down, another jolt would rip through my spine. Now it sob again. But when I heard Miss Varela jostle at the stubborn school door, the children immediately went silent. The vibe of the room completely changed. I remember it was somewhat hostile. The children seemed either indifferent to Miss Varela, while some glared at her behind puffy eyes. Miss Varela said she was going upstairs to teach the older students, and like a worker ant on a mission, I began my math lesson. And to this day, I don't know why. The children were fine for the rest of the day, though there had been an occasional outburst of verbal tics. I returned to my shack emotionally drained but stared at the cracked ceiling unable to fall asleep. I thought about leaving and taking over my father's chicken farm or working on an oil rig, but I drifted into an uneasy sleep where I dreamt of Leo the lion. I walked the dirt road up to the school the next morning. It was a cloudy day and oddly chilly for the middle of May. I remember I smoked a cigarette to calm down since I started the day with the young ones. But to my surprise, they were fine. Although looking back now, they seemed to be more fidgety than usual. I don't remember the lesson plan for the day, but I do know that none of the students seemed interested in it. Their minds were elsewhere. And I concluded the lesson and we all broke for lunch. The older kids were still working the fields. So I went upstairs to take a quick nap before the lesson. And that's when chaos ensued. At first, all we heard were the sounds of metal desk scraping together from below us. I heard the muffled sounds of children laughing which wasn't odd because Miss Varela was known to make funny jokes in her lessons. But then the muffled laughter turned into screaming, followed by banging. And I rushed down to see what was happening. And to my horror, I saw all the children on top of Miss Varela, clawing at her face and body. Help! Miss Varela screamed. I tried to pry some of the kids off of her, but their bodies felt like stones. Pablo Verona would knock me to the ground, and I watched helplessly as the students tore Miss Varela to shreds. She would scream and kick until her strength ran out, and she would moan like a wounded animal. 
I jumped up and tried again to get the kids to stop. But then they turned on me and sliced my face with their tiny, stubby fingers. I kicked two of them off of me before I was swarmed by the rest. The last thing I saw before I passed out was Miss Varela's body twitching on the floor. And the last thing I heard was the maniacal laughter of a child. I awoke in a McAllen hospital with a splitting headache, hearing only the dull hum of old hospital lights. The right side of my face was bandaged, as was my left arm, and my entire body was in pain. A concerned doctor came in, along with the sheriff of Santa Cruz, and the sheriff was carrying around a bottle of Johnny Walker tipped it to me for a swig. I had been out for a whole week. The sheriff would take off his hat and gave me the whole story of what happened. An older student who finished his farm work saw what had happened and fetched the police who broke up the fight. Miss Varela was already dead by the time the police got to the school. Her eyes had been gouged out of her sockets. And I barely had a pulse but was resuscitated and placed in a medically induced coma after refusing treatment for my wounds. The 12 children involved in the attack were placed in the facility in McAllen. The same facility that killed Leo. My protests fell on deaf ears, and I've never heard from them since, and I wonder if they're still alive. The school was shuttered and the remaining students were sent to a school in Jim Wells County. Pretty soon their parents followed and the town slowly starved to death. All that's left is that statue of Jesus on the cross two cemeteries of weary souls with Miss Varela among them. So, after my recovery, I left the town for good, carrying jagged scars on my face and arm, and I've worked on an oil rig for a year before volunteering in Vietnam for the same president who inspired me to be a teacher. Truth be told, I hope it would get me killed. But I survived and fell into a stable job as an actuary. I never taught again. I married Linda and reluctantly had three children with her. And I'm not sure if I ever was a good father. After all, what sick bastard doesn't like the sound of his kids laughing? I'm still obsessed about what happened in Santa Cruz. The doctors I've talked to were convinced that it was a mass hysteria phenomenon, but of all my research, nothing compares to what I saw. There are no police files, news clippings, or 
psychology reports to comb through. It was like it never happened, though I still have the scars to prove it. Leo's mother told us he was blessed by God, and I'm not religious. However, I still attend church every now and then. One day, the preacher talked about how we often won't recognize the miracles that God gives to us. We didn't recognize that Leo was a gift and we were punished when we refused him. I decided recently to return to Santa Cruz one final time before I croak. The school is still there, though it's missing a roof and covered in dead vines. I entered through the doorway and sat at the dusty desk, reliving my time there. And I feel the wind's breeze surging through the open window and carrying the laughter of children and the sound of a loud whistle. I do not feel alone. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.